What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 94 of Frame Skip, your weekly video game podcast, sometimes including math equations. I am Austin Eller, and I'm joined by Coach, the bicyclist, Kyle Cyclist. The cyclist. The no, cyclist. I'm, I'm just following Seth's lead from last, last episode. Yeah, okay. I was having crazy deja vu, and I was like, oh, no, am I stuck in a loop? <laughs> this is just like last Monday. <laughs> What's up, Coach? Nothing much, man. Did you just ride your bike home? Today, no, only because okay. I had to get to a school early. And yesterday, I rode yesterday, had a good 25-mile ride. And by about 5 o'clock, I was out. So I slept for two hours. So, of course, you know, it's midnight and I'm still awake. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, excellent. Yeah. George, we're also joined by you. You did not yeah. ride your bike to work. Yeah, where's my this. cool nickname? Austin. Um, George, the Gundam, Gundam lover himself. The Gundam God. The Gundam <laughs> God. Loftus. There we go. Uh, the yeah, Gundam GL. God Loftus. GLGL, baby. That's me. GL squared. Yeah. <laughs> What's up, George? How are you? I am awesome. I have played two hours of video games since the last time we recorded. I played Deep Rock Galactic. <laughs> Shocking wow. everyone. Yeah. <laughs> uh god and i just i took a break and it felt fantastic well you want to you want to tell us what you took a break what you were what you were doing in that downtime i was watching a lot of anime and i was building a lot of gundam models and i was also not editing shortbox summary which is why (laughs) there just wasn't an episode last week first time in four months i missed an episode i don't even care i needed a break i hate editing audio so much it happens it's it's very um very peculiar it's very very peculiar process and uh it's uh it's it's not fun at times so i get it (laughs) well it's just like hey let's just sit down and talk for an hour and a half it's like oh that's great that's super fun and then it's like hey why don't you sit down and listen to every possible fault in that hour and a half and do your best to polish that turd and then make this hour and a half last about let's say like two and a half hours maybe if you're good it just sucks, man. Like it just really sucks. <laughs> and I got I recorded an episode last week with uh, my buddy Sean, who I haven't talked to in a minute. He's one of my favorite people to talk to. He's just like such a sweet boy, despite being a Ravens fan. And we just got so drunk talking about X Men. And I'm I've been like trying consciously to like make short box summary shorter, to in fact fit into a short box, ideally not not one of those long box summaries. And I ended up writing like the longest summary I ever have for a comic. And then I got the drunkest I've ever been recording that podcast. And we just talked for probably like the longest running podcast ever. I want to say it was like two hours talking about six issues of X-Men that honestly aren't that great. (laughs) Like They're not super important, but we just got lost in it. It was just nice catching up with a buddy, dorking out about stuff. So just to continue on this this comic book trend, I this week have been reading Moon Knight, the 2006 run. Yeah. Um, and I'm really enjoying it. I was trying to read some Moon Knight stuff before the show came out because I didn't really know much about him as a character. And I think I mentioned in the Slack that the first few issues of that series are very confusing. And I think it's because it definitely wants you to go in with some background knowledge of who he is as a character and like his supporting cast. And so the first like three issues, I was just totally lost as to what was happening and like who was talking and what was going on. But I want to say I'm seven or eight issues now and I'm I'm thoroughly enjoying it. It's like it's really brutal, which I was a little shocked by. I mean, I knew it was going to be a little more intense just knowing a little bit about his character, but. It's a pretty like dark and um, violent, violent comic, I'd say for for Marvel. Is it out already the the series? Not yet. It'll it'll be out this week. So yeah, I want to say it's Wednesday. 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 Yeah, yeah. Austin, help me out. The first few issues of that series are drawn, I believe, by David Finch. I think you're right. And then I think it's written by is it Greg Hurwitz or is it? It says Charlie Huston as the writer. Okay. 
Yes, that, um, that feels right. Yeah. Big crime writer, I believe, doing a lot of like trade paperbacks at the time. Um, yeah, it started off like just super dark. David Finch is like this incredible artist. Like you can see like so many 90s influences. Like you can feel Jim Lee when you look at that stuff. And then I think he normally has this guy named Danny Mickey who does the coloring. And so like his stuff, especially in the mid 2000s, just had like bleeding edge, uh, like CGI like coloring to it that just looked really, really good. Like those guys did the first issues of like New Avengers and the first or last issues, I guess, of old Avengers uh, with with Avengers disassembled and whatnot. Um, but damn, that series was so confusing to 14 year old George who knew about Moon Knight before that. Yeah, he knew what? That's sick, dude. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, yeah, no, I it's it, it, it kind of lost me at the start. So I think at some point I'm going to have to figure out like the lead up to this because I am at a point now where I think it's issue six is where it starts tying into Civil War. But it's yeah. only slightly. It's like people start showing up and they're like, hey, like, buddy, you should probably register type situation yeah. oh wow and nice so it's it's understandable for me because i at least know like the the overall plot of civil war i i've never actually read it but i know the idea and i i, I know the the overall plot so it hasn't tied in enough where i'm like okay i i don't get what's going on i think it from what i can tell he kind of stays on the outside a little bit it's super confusing too because Unless I'm mistaken, Moon Knight also has a tie-in with like the epilogue of Civil War called Casualties of War. And it's not confusing that he was in that. It's confusing that he's one of like four series to like have that banner on. It's like that, like a Punisher comic, which I yeah. guess kind of makes sense given where the story goes. But I hate that era of Punisher so freaking much. Right. Uh, very, very confusing. But also, uh, just, oh my God, that's why I made Short Box. That is just such a cool time for comics. <laughs> I love that. Look, era and the so last much. the last thing I have to say, because I know this is not a comic book podcast, but this is like I, I really haven't been gaming much the, the past week, so this is gonna be my big thing for the show this time. Um I had brought this up to you, George, about you know, a, a, a while back when Black Widow came out, the the MCU film, you had kind of talked about how you thought Taskmaster kind of sucked in the comics. Um hundred percent yeah, yeah. kind of wasn't a great character. And I've never read anything with Taskmaster in it before until this series. And George, Taskmaster sucks. <laughs> it, it took a minute. Like what happens with these characters is in like these storylines that get brought up like years later. It's like a character comes out and they absolutely suck, right? Like they're just not cool. Like they have a cool costume or something, whatever. But like ne they never have anything like really cool materialize with them. And then someone who was a kid when that happened grows up to be a comic book author and they're like that was the coolest freaking guy i've ever seen in my entire life and then they just completely reinvent the villain and like steal them basically make them their own and then like reincorporate them and so this era of taskmaster is atrocious it's so bad and so dumb i think we're now getting into the era where like writers like donny cates and like um god who What's the other ones uh, like Al Ewing and a, a bunch of other authors are just like, no, this is actually like kind of a cool guy. And so they're, they're yeah. doing their best to like make him work. But man, mid 2000s, not super <laughs> kind to old old Taskmaster. I think he be, eventually becomes like an instructor at the Avengers Initiative yeah. Academy post Civil War. But like that, I mean, that sucks, too. <laughs> Dude, my first and, and look, this is spoilers from a comic from like 15 years ago. So, you know, it sucks Take to it be you, I guess, if you're. If you're concerned about the spoilers from 2006, but no one like read my it back first, then. no one read it back then anyway, so right. don't, don't worry about it. My first like experience with Taskmaster in the comics is he shows up, acts like he's gonna beat the crap out of out of Moon Knight, and then some random lady shoots him in the face with a revolver, and then a, a an old butler like shoots him with an old like pirate shotgun weapon. The dude runs out a window, jumps in some old like rusty white GMC van goes to some other building and then Moon Knight rams him with a jet. It's like, dude, this guy sucks. <laughs> New York is harder than Taskmaster. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so anyway, he was cool. In had, Spider -Man had to in the game. About yeah, he was cool in the game. I, I liked him in the game, actually. And, and he's got of, cool powers and a cool costume. Yeah. And you know what we need more of in the Arkham universe as far as games is we need a Deathstroke game. 
like bad. Oh yeah. I've, I've always wanted to have Deathstroke. I'm surprised they haven't tried to make him like a main villain in one of those games. I'm kind of over the whole like Joker in every single title. I I would hope that if they ever revisit that universe, they they kind of take a look at some other. He's villains. in he's in Arkham Origins. I never yeah. played Origins. I never played City, and I never played Night. I've only Wait, played you Asylum. Never, you've never played Arkham City? Arkham City came out two weeks before midterms, or like a week in before October. midterms. It was like that in like Uncharted 3, like my senior year of college. Yeah. So I grabbed it. I played two hours of it, which to me, like, I don't feel comfortable saying I played that game. I, I played an extended demo, mm-hmm. right? Does But my favorite Bat character is this woman named Cassandra Kane, who is Batgirl. Does she show? Is that name familiar to any of you guys? Is that no, does she show up in games? She is the coolest freaking comic book character I've ever seen, and her character is really interesting because she's like mute, so like she can't speak in the first couple years of her like appearances, and so her comics are like mostly silent. There's like maybe thirty words spoken in each issue. And it's usually by other characters to her. But she's like the daughter of Lady Shiva and I think his name is Kane, who's like the they're the two most powerful assassins like in the world. Like they're the two greatest assassins for men and women. And they conceived a child who was raised by Kane, who then they made to be like the greatest hand to hand combat fighter in the world. And like she can like she regularly kicks Bruce Wayne's ass. Like she is hands down like the best melee combat fighter in all of Gotham, if not all of the DC universe. Can she like, take she's out so, Damien? She's, oh, with her like eyes closed. Yeah, she's so cool. Oh, wow. Yeah. Not Damien so sucks. I, I hate Damien. I like him. I can't stand that little turd. No. <laughs> he, he was a little turd at first, but now he's grown on me. I will admit he's gotten better a thousand percent. I like him so much more now than when he was first introduced. And like that was by design. Grant Morrison, great writer, knew knew what they were doing. But like, man, I miss Tim Drake and Tim Drake just got the shaft as soon as Damien showed mm-hmm. up. I mean, that's the same thing with Ahsoka, too. When she first came on the scene, everyone hated her. Yeah. Right? And it took yeah, about half a season. Yeah, yeah, no. God, she was so cool in that show, though. I saw a movie this weekend that I should have watched in the early 2000s. Okay. What was it? Okay, so I'm always I'm very hesitant on not necessarily remakes, but when they take a series and they move it to the take it to the movies. But boy, was I an idiot for not watching it when it came out. But it's Miami Vice. Oh, the Michael Mann movie. Yes, that was I watched it last night because I was like, I'm like, it's. The episodes are on Peacock, the original, the five seasons. They dropped them on Peacock, right? Yeah. So, and and that was my jam. That was my fifth, sixth grade year, right? Was Miami Vice <laughs> watching that. But half the time, you know, because it came on at nine o'clock in uh, the nine or 10 in San Diego. So half the time I, I wouldn't make it. I'd fall asleep before it even get on. But uh and and I when it came out when it was original I'm like no nah, I'm not gonna watch this. this is probably just some joke right but man from beginning to end that was such a good movie I have never seen it in one sitting I remember I the angriest my high school girlfriend ever got at me because like I didn't have my license the first like year we were dating. And so I begged her to drive me to town so we could see Miami Vice. The only time it was playing was at 945. And that is not like a short movie. And she had to work the next day. And we had no idea how long it was. So I was sitting there. I fell asleep in the middle because I was like exhausted, admittedly. I fell asleep for five minutes. Just five minutes. Please calm down, coach. Stop looking at me like that. It was five minutes. (laughs) Sorry. And then, um, yeah, then I was on the edge of my seat for like the rest of that movie. I still don't love it as much as other Michael Mann movies. I, I rewatch it like once a year waiting to get there. I still think Last of the Mohegans or Heat are like probably his best movies. But that movie is like really special. And my girlfriend was like livid with me for like dragging her to that movie that she said is the worst movie she's ever seen at the time. That it was so long that she had to work the next morning. I don't really care. She's cheating on me the entire time we were dating. So that worked out great. But God darn it what a movie theater experience that was despite falling asleep for five minutes we were sunburned like we were out on the beach all day we were sleepy you know how it is it's a summer also coolest trailer i remember in in high school when that came out because it had the uh like the lincoln park jay-z mashup 
just look hell. I've the never, only I've movie... never experienced Miami Vice at all. So I've, I've never watched the show or anything. Show's awesome. Like you should go back and watch it. But yeah, the um, the only movie I ever fell asleep to in the theater was um, what was the spoof on Star Wars? Spaceballs? Are you kidding? Spaceballs, bro. I couldn't stand oh that movie. Oh my god. That yes. seems like such a coach experience. No, it was in high school and we all went as a group. And there's like 10 of us, I remember, and I was out. Do, I thought so the do only you like it now or do you still not like it? No, nah, I mean I don't Okay. I haven't watched it since then, wow. right? The only funny part was when the his ship stopped and he kept, he went forward and and like Hit the beat. The, the you didn't like comb the desert. You didn't like you weren't feeling that. <laughs> no, I wasn't feeling that. <laughs> Man, Elijah okay, loves crazy. combing the desert. He is screaming into his headphones right now at you, Coach. It's his favorite film film moment of all time. I hear. Mm. <laughs> Just so wasn't coach, feeling it. Speaking yes. of things you're feeling, I hear you you platinumed a game this week that is Number- a very good game. Number three. So, yeah, it it was getting close, right, to the end of March. And so I had to at least, of all my gaming goals, I got to at least do one, right? At least meet one of them. So I think this is one that I can, which is Platinum Quarterly. So Mm -hmm. when I realized, okay, there's there's what? There was four puzzle pieces and two um, of the whatchamacallits. Well, you didn't say the game, Coach. You didn't name the game yet. Astro's Playroom. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> so there's four puzzle pieces and two, um, like, like speed runs. No, there's two like they're not puzzles, but what artifacts? Gotcha. So once I saw like okay, um, this it, it was pretty easy. I mean, it was it was good, and I thought the boss battle at the end was fun. Right, it was really good. That two runs one, yeah. Yeah, it was just uh it was fun picking up all the artifacts like oh wow, this is really cool, right? So, I had I had a blast playing it. Like I really did have a blast. Dude, I love going around in that like museum section too and just like mm-hmm. walking around and getting up close to all the devices and stuff yeah. and just looking at them and it's those it, for those who haven't played it, it's basically like a PlayStation museum, essentially. Like it's the game itself is. I mean, you it's a platformer, but you go around and collect like a PS2 or like the PlayStation Eye toy or whatever it may be. And you can go look at all this stuff like in a in Or a the room, GPS attachment for the PSP. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it so was cool? like, yeah, it's like for that generation. So like the first like... Basic. I mean, you, I think you could go to all of them, but there's one level. It was just all of the PS1 uh, artifacts in that era. Yeah. Multi-tap. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Love it. So, so what, what do you think about the actual game, like the platforming stuff? Because I thought that was phenomenal. Like, I really hope they make a full, I know they did the VR one for mm-hmm. PS4, but I hope they make a, another like full-on Astro game. I would yeah, buy that definitely. in a heartbeat. The uh, the monkey suit was really cool. I liked uh, moving around on that. the The ones where you're in the little ball that was like okay, but the one where you were at the beach that was probably one of my favorite levels. Was was that beach just going around and just just having fun? Just I love a good beach level in video games. It's always like good vibes, you know. Especially like just being growing up in Maine, where it's winter eight months a year sucks um but like man just being able to go to the beach whenever you want in a video game fantastic like that's i always love koopa troopa beach like in mario 64 Mm -hmm. just little things like that always puts a smile on my face those damn crabs how do you (laughs) how do you feel it uh stands up because i know you're a big nintendo head did it feel nintendo-esque did it feel unique enough on its own it did but it 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 had sony's footprint all over it right i mean that was totally Mm -hmm. all sony and um, I just love what they did with it. And they made it to where all ages. So even I was able to find the art. You just knew how where to look, right? After you kind of go through the first world, you kind of knew where things were hidden, right? And so um, it was just, it was a fun platformer. Very fun. Wait, Coach, is that your way of saying you didn't use a guide? 
The only one, okay, so I, I haven't done the speed, the speed run, right? Yeah, so right there was one, what was it that I did? It was, I think it was for, you remember that one, there's that one part when you were the ball and you had to kind of like, you had to go to the side where there's no. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I just kind of looked and see how they were kind of like. Yeah. yeah. But for the most part, actually, no. I didn't use a guide for uh, Spider-Man or Miles Morales, too. I got into those games, like, super yeah. deep. Yeah. So there's only... And now I'm playing... Uh, I'm getting the Platinum for Republic Commando. Oh, nice. So, yeah. So I'm over half of the, the, the trophies. But there's one that I'm probably going to use a guide for. The only one I'll probably use a guide for is in the, the first Geonosis level... You have to go through this area where all of the um, what were the flying bugs called? I forget what they're called. The Genosians. Yeah, but there was something else. I wasn't they called something else though. But like anyways. the elite guard or whatever, right? Like so, you go in that underground tunnel and you have to. Oh, the eggs. You have to kill. Yeah, you have to kill all the eggs. So I want to see how someone like approaches that, and then I'll kind of check it out. But so far, it's like. It's the the plat the the trophies are easy, you know. Once you look at the 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 on on the PlayStation, uh, you know how they give the the, yeah, the brief description. List. Yeah, yeah. So, well, that's but, awesome. Um, yeah, I I I that I platinum that as well after I got my PS Five and and great platinum and I mean, it's a, a again just a fantastic game. But George, I was going to ask you because I think you're the only one of us. You have a PSVR, right? I do. I'm you know, missing a component to it, so I haven't been able to plug it in yet. But I, or you're going to ask if I played the Astrobot? Yeah, VR. I was going to ask you if you played that one. I did. Uh, that game is great. Like that game is super, super fun, and it's very, very much in the same exact spirit as Astro's Playroom. That's interesting. So, yeah, I mean, I, I hope they. It'd be cool if they bring that back and do another VR title for that with the new PSVR coming out. Yeah, it kind yeah. it kind of reminded me of remember Luigi's a mansion, Luigi's a mansion, Luigi's mansion for the GameCube. Yeah, Luigi's a mansion. Welcome to right. the home. <laughs> so you know, just a really fun, over glorified tech demo, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and honestly, the way they used the dual sense in that game, I loved. I thought the oh, the stuff that they did with it was awesome. Mm -hmm. So definitely, but, does uh, Xbox? Sorry, does Xbox Series X controller does it have that level of? I don't think so. Sensitivity, no. like no. I only ask. Like I have an Xbox Series X. I don't really play it. Like it's it's very much like our media device. Um, like it's basically just like an extra cable box in our living room. It's awesome because there's a Spectrum app. Um, but like playing Forza, like I I felt like there was like some stuff just not quite as to the level of. They have the haptic triggers like a little bit. Like there's some extra. I don't know what they call it, but like the Xbox equivalent of like HD rumble or, or whatever for the triggers, but that's it. There's like, gotcha. um, really nothing different about the rumble within the grips or, um, anything of that sort. So now the, the dual sense is, is quite a bit more, uh, feature feature filled compared to gotcha. the, the series X controller. So, cool, or, cool. yeah. So, um, that all you've been playing coach, I guess you said that Republic Commando. That's cool. I'll have to yes. jump into that at some point. I've never played that game. And actually. then, yeah, oh, so awesome. I'll probably, this is when I'll probably start getting deep into Fire Emblem Awakening. Nice. Nice. But now's the time, I think, to get these 3DS games, man. Oh, they're already going up. Oh, they're already bro. going up. Bro. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, I was so. looking at the... Is it Dragon Warriors or Dragon Quest? Dragon Quest. All right. So Dragon Quest, those are over a hundred bucks for the 3DS alone. Yep. It's like, Nuts. Oh, Lord. Yeah. It's amazing. So, I got those at like discount clearance from Best Buy for like 20. Nice. And I just don't have faith in Nintendo and their online with their retro with their retro systems, right? So I don't think we'll ever see these games again once yeah. um, once the eShop for the 3DS goes away. I don't think we'll ever see these games again. 
I just don't see Nintendo re-releasing. Um, I don't know. I don't know what I mean, Nintendo's going to do with the 3DS. There's so many games too. Like the the one that I really need to buy before it gets even higher in price than it already is is Kid Icarus Uprising, because I don't have my copy of that anymore, and I adore that game. And I just, I really don't foresee them putting that on any other system. And I know it's going to shoot up in price. But don't you need that little stand to like really get into it? You don't have to. I honestly, I never really played it with that when it, when it came out originally. Um, You can play it with that. You're not a kid anymore, Austin. You're going to need that stand. Your hands are going to turn into a That's true. You're probably right. But dude, I love that game. It is so good. It was very well made. So I, I, uh, I need to get that. But. Um, I did want to talk briefly just before we move off stuff we've been playing. George, I know there's nothing you really wanted to talk about, right? Since you had two hours of Deep Rock. <laughs> yeah, I tried. Uh, I tried to play a little Pokemon today, uh, just because uh, Diamond and Pearl, like the the remakes. And I've been trying to do that just because, like, I've never actually stayed like up to date on a Pokemon game with like mystery gifts. And so I wanted to try to do that with this game and treat it more. Like a like a season of Pokemon, if that makes sense. I just did like some some battles today. Well, I was waiting for like emails from work to uh to like you know give me edits to do or whatever. And uh, it's it's really fun, but like man, it's kind of a bummer that like playing this game, how many of the Pokemon are from like the original one fifty. And so like my team is like you know I got my little Empoleon boy, I got my my Shinx. Ray, whatever that Lux Ray, whatever that Pokemon's called. And then I've got like Ponyta, Graveler, Haunter, which is like, you know, cool. And like, I would never use that team in the original series. So like, I guess like, you know, just based on what I've got, that's kind of neat. But yeah, it's a little disappointing just that like, oh, I kind of wish there was like more new monsters. Okay. I'm glad you brought that up because I have a question for you guys. Okay. Yeah. All right. So what's the difference? And I'll tell you why I'm asking this. What's the difference between the national decks and is it the Soto decks or something like that? The Sino decks? So the the way I understand one is like the region. And so it's like these are all the Pokemon that are available in this that are native to like the areas you can go to in the game. Okay. And then the other one is every single Pokemon ever. Because and the reason why I ask is I think it is the Diamond and Pearl remakes that you have to have not the national decks, but the other decks in order to get Eevee. Yeah, you and, need to. It's cool, though, because you don't have to have every single one. You just have to have seen every single one, which is different, which is nice. That's a lot easier. Every single Pokemon in the game or just in the in the region for the region. I just wanted to talk briefly, though, about Kirby and the Forgotten Land, which came out last week. And um you know, honestly, we haven't played a whole lot of it yet. Andy and I have been playing it co-op because there is like a co-op mode. I will say it's the co-op mode isn't amazing, though, um, because it's set up kind of like, you know, your basic Mario games, your 3D Marios, where there's one who's playing as Mario. And then there's a second person who's got like a minor role, like in Galaxy, you had the person playing as Mario and then one person had control of the pointer for the camera. And that was like all they did. It's and like then offensive. in Odyssey, yeah. <laughs> yeah, in in Odyssey, it's set up where um, one person's Mario and the other person is the hat. So like you can just move the hat around and like attack things, I guess. Um, it's a little better than that, at least. But in this one, the way it works is one person plays as Kirby and the other play- person plays as like a bandana Waddle D. And you have like a spear. And so, like, you're relatively capable of attacking and stuff, and it plays pretty similar. You still, like, float like Kirby does and all that same stuff. But the thing that's a little disappointing is you can't you can't actually um, suck up enemies like Kirby, and you can't, like, take their powers. So the, the second player is, like, the same Waddle D with the spear the entire game, which is, like, actually kind of disappointing. Um, but... Uh, Aside from that, it's been it's been really <laughs> I'm, no. Hold really on, enjoyable. sorry, we gotta talk about that a little bit more. That that's BS, man. Like you're yeah. telling me, like you're Nintendo. You're one of the most creative developers in the history of the entire medium. You couldn't think of a way to explain why two things can have like similar powers just to give the second person playing like 
a bone. Like you, right. you could you couldn't well, do anything, and it's ugh, and it's like why couldn't sucks. one person just be a different color Kirby? Like why did I don't know why? Like why do you need to explain that in the story? Just let somebody else play as Kirby. So, but it's it's fantastic. I mean, all that aside, you know, I was hoping for a little more with the co op, but all that aside, the the little bit that we've played, it's really really good so far. Um, it's kind of a mix of of Mario 3D World and like your normal 3D Mario. So it's not fully open, like open spaces, but it's not quite as locked as, as 3D World was either camera wise. And so it's a it's a good mix. And 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 honestly, the gameplay itself is really good. I'm a little shocked that that how Labs was able to to pull off like a full 3D gameplay style pretty pretty seamlessly. So I'm excited to play more at some point and it's uh it's it's definitely a game I was really looking forward to, so I was glad to see it it hey man, uh, for the, be pretty successful. For the, sorry, for the first time since college I played a demo and then immediately had to buy the game. Like first yeah. time since Killzone 2. That demo for Kirby is incredible. It it's is. like a half hour. It shows you like all the major, I assume maybe there'll be some twist, but like all the major ways you're gonna be spending your time in that game. And it's just pretty and it's fun and it's not hard, but it's like you don't feel like I don't feel like I'm playing a baby game when I'm playing it the way I other Kirby games, Star Allies, uh, yeah. feel when you play, you know. Yeah, and it's got that wonderful, not quite collectathon, but like the the whole way that like Mario 3D World is set up, where you've got like I think in that game it was like three stars or something in each level, and in this one it's you got to get five Waddle Dees in each level, and they're like hidden around, and there's different objectives for each level, so it's it's definitely got some some replayability and stuff to it, which I'm super into. So. I'm I'm excited to play more and, and dig into it over the next few weeks. But Hell yeah. That's really all I've been playing, though. And and so with that, I wanted to kind of jump into our main topic here. And this is actually kind of inspired by a good friend of the podcast, Joel Valley, and, and his show Media Glitch over on YouTube. They uh, His crew kind of posted a video uh, within the past day or two about when is it time to sell a video game or your your video games or a video game collection, um, whether it be, you know, your games for a specific system or, um, again, select games you're not playing or whatever it may be. And I just thought that was a really interesting topic, um, considering all of us, I think, are, are collectors to some extent. You know, I'm not fully, fully, I don't buy every single thing I have, but I, I've, I've got a few hundred games at this point, so... I, uh, I'm still a, at least a little bit of a collector. And so I thought that was a, a, a fascinating, fascinating topic. So I wanted to ask you guys, I mean, when, when, when do you sell your games? When is it okay for you to sell your games? And do you ever kind of get that, that, oh man, I wish I, wish I hadn't done that kind of moment after you um, make that sale. Should you sell your games? I haven't sold a game since like 2001, probably 2002. Wow. Nice. I really like replaying games. I also like love comics. And it's just one of those things where like I like having a collection. I like having a library. I think it's really interesting to like see the tree rings of this medium that we like so much, you know, like just comparing like Mario 64 and having that on the shelf with uh, Sunshine, having that on the shelf with Galaxy, Galaxy 2, 3D World. Like, I think it's really interesting to see like the history of the games. And ever since they introduced cases, yeah, they just look so great. Like The fact that PlayStation 2 cases looked exactly like DVD cases, I think was really important. And it sort of, I think that maybe subconsciously put me in that mentality where it's just like, oh no, I buy movies to keep movies. I'm not like here to like buy a movie and then sell it. And the same thing with games where it's just like, oh, I'm not going to like spend six hours with this and then get rid of it like this. This was important to me. I might be a little too sentimental. I might be a little too nostalgic, but I really hate selling games and haven't done it in probably 20 years. That's fascinating. Yeah, I, I, I'm good. Glad we had that that viewpoint, though, because Elijah, I think, is kind of of the same same mindset. I know he has a massive collection. Obviously, I'm sure he's got probably thousands of games at this point. And um you know, I know he he never sells anything, but um, yeah, I mean, was it was it something that you knew at that moment, you know, in the early 2000s where you were like, all right, I'm stopping or did it just kind of come up as a hey, no, you know, we're, we're just not going to do it anymore. I never really had like a lot of games for systems growing up. Like, you know, we had probably yeah. like eight games for Genesis and then we probably had like 
maybe like 15 games for N64, which is like a lot in hindsight. But then like something happened where like uh, I only had like 10 for Xbox. I had like around this like a dozen maybe for GameCube. And then same thing where I, I just like never really like broke 10. And then I remember being under the influence of something with my roommate in college. And we were like with we were each other downtown and there's like a whole bunch of used like game stores. There's like a mom and pop shop. There was a GameStop. There was a FYE. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that store. It's called like a for your entertainment. And it's just like an awesome vinyl and DVD and Blu-ray shop. And we were, like I said, under the influence. We just kind of like looked at each other like, you know, I've never really had like a lot of games for a system. He's like, me neither, man. Let's do it. And then we just went ham on 360 games after that. And I think like I really credit this dude for like making me feel less embarrassed for how into games I was. Like I remember like meeting him at orientation. We were like, yeah, screw it. Like we might as well live with each other because like if we don't choose each other, like who knows who we'll end up with. And we're like talking to him before moving day. It was just like, oh, I have a 360. Should I bring that down? He's like, no, I got a 360. Don't worry about it. And then it very quickly became clear. It's like, well, if you have a 360, then I can't play it because you're going to be playing it all the goddamn time. So like Thanksgiving break, I remember like immediately grabbing mine and like bringing it back. I'm like, hey, now we have two TVs. This is awesome. <laughs> and just making it work that way. But like it was like the first time, like just like living with someone who also cared about this hobby that I cared about. And that was kind of like the game changer. And so from then on, it was just like us trying to like amass a collection together. And we had like a library that like we would share. And then I remember getting like a PlayStation 3 for Christmas and and then a Wii for Christmas. Divorced parents for the win right there. And then all of a sudden he was just like, oh, can I use this TV on this side so I can play Super Mario Galaxy? I'm like, of course, I'll be over here playing Mag on PlayStation 3, <laughs> you know, just like mixing it up. But we just wanted to play as many games as possible. We thought it was really important to play as many different games as possible. This is also when I was like just starting to get really into IGN and like listening to, to games podcasts and stuff. And so thinking I want to do something in the industry and. Yeah, that was like around the time everything clicked. And then I realized like this is no different than video games. This is no different. Or sorry, this is no different than movies. This is no different than comics. I can't get rid of these because they're too important to me. So what's your collection like now, I guess, is the last thing I'd, I'd ask you out of curiosity. Because I honestly, George, I don't know much about your collection. I don't know what, how how big of a collector you are and what you have. I have probably 1,200 games across all my systems. I've got mostly Xbox ps3 ps4 i've got you know those like uh media racks that they sell on yeah. on amazon yep i've got like probably like eight of those full of just like disc-based games like i just love that era and i'm currently getting a xbox modded at like a computer repair store with like a two terabyte hard drive and i just want to like i'm asking them specifically for the software that like lets me like rip discs and just like keep it on a hard drive because i'm super concerned about disc rot like I have all these games and it would just suck if like by the time I was like finally ready to play them, I couldn't. And, but yeah, I've, I've got a lot of games, man. I'm, I really like this. <laughs> I was really happy when you guys asked the podcast. I'm like, Oh cool. Yeah. No, I know a thing or two about games. <laughs> so coach, what about you? What, what was the, the, the last time you sold a game, I guess. And, and, and when do you sell your games? If you do. <clears throat> so I don't necessarily, I haven't gotten to the point where I'm selling my games yet, but I guess the first, I guess, level one of downsizing is I took a lot of my games and I got rid of the cases. So I bought sleeves for the individuals and I have like two Vans boxes, right? So I went from having all of this, these physical games, and now I just have them in a, um two vans boxes right so but now that i have like um i have three um fpga systems uh two of them by analog i have the super nintendo and the um sega genesis right the super nt and the mega sg and then of course they're they're their Nintendo is is so damn expensive. Like they re-released it last year, year before for like five hundred dollars, and that's ridiculous, right? So I bought um, on Retro USB their AVS, which is the same thing, but for like two hundred dollars. So t- 
technically, if I just get those ROMs, it's I'll be playing it. You know, I could even. Um, I think I might even start doing that within this year is just to trim the fat, right? Because if I could get those on ROMs and those systems can be uh, um, jailbroke, then then you're playing it the best way possible, right? So that's where I'm at right now. But with the 3DS, you know, with that whole eShop going out, games are going to skyrocket. So I think I might ha- be adding to my collection here pretty soon. Yeah, um, I well, do. Have- I know we've been trying to grow our, our PS3 collections a little bit too. You know, we, mm-hmm. you and I were both kind of talking about that as um, I guess it's not quite as much a thing at the moment, but I know when the PSN stores were, were being supposedly being closed for like the PSP and Vita and all that stuff. And they ended up not going all the way through with it, but um, that's when PS3 game prices really shot up. And so I think that's another, another area. Like I said, I know you've, you had shown some interest in, uh, growing mm-hmm. that collection a little bit. So, and then even now, like, even though you buy a physical copy, you don't really own that copy anymore. It, no. It's so frustrating modern day gaming, right? So like when uh, this year, supposedly the new God of War comes out, right? How much is going to be on that disc and how much do you need Sony's server to keep that game going, right? I mean, the whole fiasco with uh, Gran Turismo right now, yeah, which is still going on. It's sad. I mean, it's sad to me that like, you know, the, the, the biggest examples recently aside from Gran Turismo were um, Forza Horizon 5 and, and Halo Infinite. They didn't even have like the full game on the disc. So, you know, when servers go down in 20, 30 years, you know, like overall, you know, hopefully it'll be a while before they say, hey, you can't even hook your Series X up to the Internet whatsoever. But um when those servers go down, those games will be totally unplayable. We'll and not I be think able to play the, those games. Yeah, and I think the younger generation, right, the the teenagers right now, they're the ones that are going to suffer through that, right? Because when those servers finally go down, you know, how old will I be? 70s, right? 80s? <laughs> so, you know, but I think it's this youngest generation right now that are in school that are playing you know, they don't care about physical copies. A lot of them don't, right? They just download and they go. But there's going to be a time, like, what if Fortnite just kind of like, okay, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, Coach, I have literally never considered that. That's amazing. Like, the things we're nostalgic for are still around and we can still access, right? Like, that's, God, you are a teacher, man. Always thinking about the kids. Look at you. Yeah. And the thing is, is like, they're really no different. Like when people, like we had our Fortnite in our, each of our own generation, it was just a different game. Golden you know? eye, baby. Yeah. yeah. See, there you go. It's just, um, it's just done differently. And every time there's that one game, parents freak out, you know, the ESRB ratings come out and media wants to make it, seem like it's a bad thing right so Wait, you yeah sorry you were young enough when like that came out i don't mean to make an old joke but which like, one the esrb and like the like the mortal Kombat like like scare right right did you have to do, did you have to do convincing to your parents that like well um, that was like when i was finally like in my okay. early 20s yeah my okay. early early 20s Apologies. because the big one, no, sorry. The big one was uh, Mortal Kombat 2, I believe it was. Yeah. Because when when you saw that pixel of blood, bro, every politician wanted to jump on that bandwagon that video game's bad, you know? Um, so, yeah. yeah. But, the, <laughs> but see, like my generation was Contra, you know? That was a big uh, co-op. That was like really the first true co-op game, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, it's just still different now. And it's like, you got to be careful what you're going to be purchasing. You yeah. know, if, if, if you're just like one of the teachers I work with, right? Good dude. He bought the uh, digital P- 
PS5, and he can't really bring his PS4 games over, but he's okay with that. You know, he's okay with just getting them digital. Yeah. You know, and then here we are. Like, remember what it was like to to really how fun it was to collect like 2012, 2011, yeah. you know? Yeah. Like it was still like finding stuff in the wild, right? It was it was fun back then. It was good. And you we were in a sense kind of like uh mini versions of hoarders, right? Where we just got what we could. We didn't really know about the game, but hey, it looks like, you know um people are talking about it right well that and like that was when i was like old enough to like have my own money and like not to have a dad around to judge me because i was in college i was like a sophomore and i just remember like going down to gamestop and we're like oh let's look for a 360 game and then it was just like oh hey metroid prime is on sale for five dollars oh well that's like i've heard really good things about that game i never played it when it was out but yeah let's check it out i didn't play metroid prime until i was like 20 years old, 19 years old. And like in my college dorm room, cause I brought my, one of my game cubes down. I was just like, this is like one of the best video games I've ever played in my entire life. Like, and then like, because that was such a good hit, it was just like, okay, cool. Oh, it's buy two, get one free in the U section. Like, all right, uh, twin snakes. I don't know anything about this. I'll grab that. Ooh, melee. I didn't have that. My friend had that. We always had to borrow it. Okay. Grab that. And they, they just had like original Xbox games and I should have bought Marvel vs. Capcom 2 for original Xbox, but I didn't because I'm an idiot. But it was just, yeah, that was like the last time. I think the reason I care so much about that is just because like that is my favorite era of gaming. Early 2000s, Y2K era, like easily, easily the best era. It's It's just there's something so special where it's like, you know, you could like taste the future and like they were doing everything they could, but it just quite wasn't there enough. My favorite console of all time is still PlayStation 3. So like if I see a PS3 game that I've never heard of before, that's like a snap buy for me. I bought one the other day called like Magus because I'm like, I've never even heard of this game. I could don't think I know this developer. Yeah. Oh, it's 12 bucks. Like, OK, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll pick that up off eBay. Uh, so that's my sweet spot. But like, man, there's just like the Dreamcast, the, the PlayStation 2, the Xbox, the GameCube, like that little four person brawl between the those companies was just like such a special era. And like, I miss being able to just walk into a store and find those games. I went to a used DVD store the other day, um, up in, up in Bangor, Maine, which is like the nearest big city. And they had some games on display that were like their high price items. And let's see, I'm scrolling through my photos, trying to get to them. All right, here we are. Uh, they had super Mario or sorry, paper Mario, the thousand year door. Guess how much that was. 120 110.97 they had medal of honor heroes for Wii. i don't know why that one was behind the case uh that one was 28.97 that game i feel like that game i feel like was 3.99 just a couple of years ago considered shovelware Almost. We've also got, ooh, guess how much a, like, these are, these are all, like, original game art. Actually, the Paper Mario was, uh, was the player's choice, so it has, like, that crappy yellow label on the, yeah. on the binding, yeah. like, on the spine. Guess how much Pokemon Platinum was? Oh, like, 250. W- 180. <laughs> 190.97. Wow. That is nuts. And so, like, with this Nintendo decision... I'm really excited about like the PlayStation equivalent to Game Pass. I think I will care about that in a way. I just don't care about Game Pass. Like Game Pass to me is just like a demo program that I pay for. Just because I, I just prefer the PlayStation ecosystem, even which is funny because like the original Xbox is like probably my favorite console from that era. But uh, I'm just it's so freaking sad that we're getting to the point where it's like, yeah, you can play your old PlayStation one games. if You give me extra money every month it's like oh really because like i remember when i used to like i remember when i bought this game from you on the playstation 3 and i just like gave you money and i owned it and then uh you just took that back and now that that apparently means nothing anymore (laughs) so i gave you all this money uh which was more valuable back then because inflation is is a cool thing but yeah sure i guess i'll just like rent these games from you every month like i just hate the current model it sucks so much like yeah, it's not good because, I mean, you, you're going to lose it at some point. It's going to go away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, it's disappointing, too, because while we've got that going on, like you said, George, all those old games are going up in price. I was just looking on my my GameEye app 
which is like a game collecting app. You can put in all your games and it'll, it'll give you an estimated value based on like average eBay sale prices and stuff. And I was looking on there and my, my copy of Gex Enter the gecko for PS one. I bought that for, you know, maybe three years ago, I bought it for like 10 bucks and it shows that it's worth $35 now. Wow. And that is not, that is not like, a, you know, I, I guess a decent amount of people played it, but it's not like a beloved PS One game. So, <laughs> yeah, that game was that game was pretty rough. Yeah, uh, it it just sucks, man. Like all this, like it really started. I started noticing this with basketball when they started adding like the sponsor logos to like the actual jerseys. Yeah, you know, like the Celtics. I think their first sponsor was like GE, so it just say like Celtics on the front, and then there'd be like a giant GE logo like off the top corner of it. And it's like, man, like I understand that like you make money this way, but like this is uh, Austin. I'm sorry, 52 minutes swear. Like this is f- lame. Like this is so goddamn lame. Right. Like I have to sit there thinking about like this sport that like I love. And every time I see Tatum do like a, a slick dunk, like I have to see like just a giant logo of some like electric company that like 52, I don't care 28. about. Yeah, sorry. Uh, and so it's like another thing where it's just like, oh, cool. Like because you want to extract more money from people every single month, I have lost every article of convenience I've ever had. And like what made me respect you in the first place. Like the fact that I can't just, but there's no reason I, we can't buy DS games on switch. Like there's zero reasons that they can't make that work. You know, like put the screens right next to each other. There's minimal touch. Even if they don't do that, just make some uh, adapter thing. So you can turn the system sideways and make it vertical and have the controllers on the sides. Like a hundred percent. Yeah. Do that. That'd be great. Like, there's no reason for them to, like, not do this. And I feel like old Nintendo would have done this. Like, the way they were, like, you know, like, the e-card reader and, like, all this stuff they were trying out. And same thing with Sony, trying all this, like, dumb stuff that they were doing with, like, PlayStation minis and whatnot. Like, it's just lame. Like, everything is so freaking lame. Like, this future sucks. Like, it started off so great in the early 2000s. And now everything is just all about like recurring revenue streams. And it's like, dude, just be cool. Like be cool for five goddamn minutes, please. Let me just like give you money in exchange for a product or a service. Like, and don't like keep things behind exclusively a service. Like stop making me rent my childhood. You turds. Like it's not fun anymore. Yeah. Sorry. Rant over. Well, I'm going <laughs> to add to that rant is I remember Rent not at the over. very beginning, okay. At the very beginning of last generation, one of my biggest pet peeves, and now it's not a big deal, but I knew things were changing, is day one patches. That's when I knew gaming was changing, right? Not for the better. So, and and here's the thing about the whole Gran Turismo, and I don't want this to be like a um a Gran Turismo topic but once the review copies once everyone got their reviews in they changed the game to where now you have to grind more to try and get these high value cars right they change the game for what it is and and that right there is is a slippery slope and Gaming's changing, man. And like on the Switch, I- I'll give it to you. Nintendo has been um, good about updating the N64 emulator. They've made like three three or four changes so far, like getting it better. Ocarina of Time has actually gotten better. It's looked better, played better. So that's good. But on what George said... We're renting our childhood. Like we could play it. Like I have my N64 right here. We could play it and it'll look good, but it looks so damn good on the Switch, right? I mean, like just the way that they, uh, that it's presented. So yeah, this, the model, I don't like the model either. I feel like honestly, I feel like we are not very far away from hey, this game is um, exclusive to Game Pass or Spartacus or whatever it may be on PlayStation. And that's the only way you can get it is by 
and I'm not saying old games. I'm talking about new stuff. Like, let's just say Gran Turismo 8 comes out in six years, and you can only play it if you have a Spartacus subscription. I, I honestly feel like we are not that far away from that, and that's kind of stressful for me. <laughs> it's making it not fun anymore. Mm-hmm. right like isn't that like I, I know we're at like different stages in our lives and so like we're we're never we're realistically never gonna be like hey man i just got gran turismo and then like you know you drive over to a friend's house and just like slap it into their places like i feel like we're pretty far from that and like you can't even really do that now because let's say you go to a friend's house like oh hey i brought gran turismo let's play it it's like okay uh, let me install this game disc let me copy it to my hard drive oh crap there were two big updates okay so it's actually going to take three hours before we put the disc in to when we can actually play the game. That's its own problem. But it's just like, it, it's not as easy as it used to be. It's not as fun as it used to be. And it's just, it, it's completely different. And coach, like I can't stop thinking about what you're saying about like the games that kids recently and today are playing aren't, are just not going to be available. Like I keep thinking about every single game that was like on the app store that has just been delisted. Like, I love Tiny Death Star. I thought that game was great. That was like one of my favorite mobile games. That was like my original. I can't sleep. Let me let me build a level. And it's just gone. Like they just like removed like a very well, successful Star Wars game. So this is actually about to happen with really the only mobile game that I've ever gotten into, which is Dragalia Lost. And it's oh, a yeah. Nintendo game. Oh, and this summer it is shutting down and you cannot play it anymore. Which really? is so, so disappointing because it is a super, super well-made game. I've never even played with any other people. I've played entirely single player and come, I want to say it's July, it's gone. It's gone. You can't play it anymore. And I've probably spent like 70, 80 bucks on that game, like over the span really? of four or five years. Yeah. And um, it's just vanishing, which is, it's just crazy that that's the world we live in. So... Uh, to answer my own question, though, before we wrap it up, because I, I, I haven't answered on my end, uh, the whole trading in situation. I know that was a, a whole separate conversation like 20 minutes ago, but might as well get back to it here for the end. Um, I trade in games occasionally, but it, it's very rare uh, or sell games. Uh, really, the way my collection works, I've, I've got about um, probably a little over 200 titles, but I try and kind of limit what I buy for for space purposes. And so like behind me, you guys can see it at least, but I've got like a, a bookshelf back there. And that's pretty much the only spot for me to put my games in our apartment. And so once that thing starts overflowing, it's like, all right, something's got to go. Um, and so typically what I do is, and again, over the past five years, I've probably sold less than 10 games. So it's really not like something I do that often, but I just focus on the games I care about, you know, uh, certainly I'm never going to get rid of, of a Monster Hunter game or a, 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 a Zelda game or, or Mario game. I'm never going to get rid of anything like that. But like a few months ago, I got rid of uh, Dead or Alive 5 or something for PS4. It, I think I think it was 5, whatever the, the first Dead or Alive was that came out on, on PS4. I was like, all right. Really, really do not care about this game. I haven't played it in ages. I, I barely played it when I first got it. And so I'm I'm going to get rid of it. And so that's kind of my philosophy. If it's, if it's something that I just I don't care about, a game that doesn't really matter to me, I have no desire to have like a complete collection or, or have tons of games just for the purpose of having them. So that's really the only time I, I sell my games. But that's that's kind of kind of where I'm at. In my experience, if you sell games, you will eventually try to buy them back. I guess it depends on what it is, though, because like I, I, I just I, I have no desire to buy a dead or alive again. Personally, <laughs> but we'll just see about <laughs> for that. Example. Austin. <laughs> for example, um, um, but no, well, I agree I actually, with you. There have certainly been yeah. times, though, like I sold my platinum Pokemon platinum when I was younger, like when I was in maybe freshman or sophomore in high school obviously super regret selling that <laughs> but you know one day i'm at that point where one day i do have to get rid of this right i mean i'm gonna have to get rid of it sometime so yep. do i keep buying physical do i sell what i can like my my switch collection is just i don't need any more switch games right <laughs> Says who, coach? Says who? <laughs> right. 
And it's so tough. Like, but I've been like over the last, I think, 18 months, I've been really good at because we're all guilty of this, right? Or at some point we were that we just pick up a game because it just came out new. Right. Then I got good at waiting until like six months when it goes on in, you know, and now it's like there's been quite a few games that have released that just don't pick up anymore because I know that I'm not going to play it for a while. So like yeah, for oh, instance, yeah. Kirby, yeah. right? Kirby, like, yeah. do I need that physical? If I do buy it, do I really need that physical? You know? Yeah. Um, there's not going to be a lot of updates. So it's almost like if you buy that one terabyte card, you're almost okay to buy digital and just put all your games on uh, on the Switch digital, right? But one day, one day we're going to be getting rid of all these. So, but there's, yeah, and, there's one I, I hold on to. I was just going to say of the new systems, the only one that I actively like collect, collect for is the Switch. I, I really don't buy anything for PS5. I think I have four PS5 games so far and I've had my PS5 for, I guess over a year at this point and series X, I haven't even bought a single game for. So I, I only, Elijah's, have Elijah's smart. Cause he's collecting PS5 games, but he's like, I think the only thing he really cares about is getting all of like the limited run releases, which yeah. is like, okay, yeah. that's like the criterion collection equivalent of PlayStation. Like, okay, that completely understand that. Um, I will say sell your games if you want to, but like, man, you just never know. Like, I bought. I don't even want to tell you how much I bought into like Pokemon Black and White for last summer. I, I don't even want to say. But also, like, it is significantly less than what those games are selling for now. So, like, it, it was an expensive purchase, but like, ah, eh, it's not that bad. Uh, there was someone over the weekend on Twitter who said, you know, I think buying comics and reading comics are actually two different hobbies, and I think that's so true for comics. I think that's so true for games. Because, like, I'll be honest, I'm looking over. I got my PlayStation Four games in my office with me, which is funny because I don't have a PlayStation Four in here. But I'm like looking at them, and I'm like, yeah, man, I played a lot of those games. There's a lot of games like still in shrink wrap. And to, like to Coach's point. I did my best on PlayStation 4 to not buy games at launch. With Nintendo games, I don't really care about buying them at launch or not, just because, or sorry, I don't care about waiting and just buy them at launch because they like never go on sale anyway. It's like, yeah, the they never <laughs> you know, it's yeah. 60 bucks now, 60 bucks later, who cared? Um, Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze. Yeah, buddy, and how. Um, God. No, I'm not condoning piracy, but I will say. There are other options, you know, to, to what's happening to games right now. There, there are other options. That's all I'm going to say. I'm not saying what those options are. I'm not, I'm not again, not condoning piracy. But if you don't like the current paradigm of video games, you know, there's other options. What can you say? I mean, that's a good discussion there because to me, piracy is what you buy on the shelves. And then, you know, playing Switch games on your PC, right? Mm-hmm. But playing a ROM of Contra yeah. from the NES but that's a whole nother discussion. Well, that, yeah, it is a whole nother discussion. And it, at some point it's like a, is this a form of historic preservation? I mean, that's the real question because you look at Nintendo and what they do and what Sony's doing and even Microsoft to an extent, although I'd say they're the best ones so far at, at keeping their games on their new system. But um, it's like, man, they're, they are really just letting their old games fall, fall apart. And, and, uh, not stay stay in in the mainstream and and stay on their new systems and that's just not that's no good for anybody so and it's just weird because they were so good at it like nintendo was so good at it you bought a wii and you also bought an nes you also bought an snes you also bought an n64 and it could play gamecube games and wii games so you owned ostensibly every nintendo home console and like look at him now and like i understand the nintendo online system like that's great but like, I don't want to pay that much money every year when I want to play five games. You know, right. like I just want my five favorite games, and then I want to like stop paying. Please let me stop paying. Sorry, Coach. Got no, you're right. I, no, I I agree with you. All right, guys. So I think we'll we'll wrap it up there then, and appreciate everybody listening, and and send us in your thoughts about um, both, you know, the the state of of gaming today as far as digital and physical and, and where you see things going. And then certainly write in your, your 
thoughts on um, trading in games, selling games, what what you think about it, what your collection's like, and kind of how you you go about doing that stuff with your your own games. So, of course, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, etc. Our at is always at FrameskipPod. Uh, you can write us in some questions at bit.ly slash FrameskipQ. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash FrameskipQ. We're all on Twitter. George is at PurpleBird616. That's also where you can find his comic book podcast, Short Box Summary, also down in the description below. George, what's what's next for, for Short Box Summary? What's the, give us a little tease. I don't know. There might be an episode next week. Who cares? Um, <laughs> okay. This week, I'm Understood. finally publishing like the MCU with like comic book pairing. I'm finally doing that this week. Awesome. So hopefully by the time you hear this, that episode should already be out. Again, I just hate audio editing. And then next week, uh, Astonishing X-Men issues 7 through 12. That's a story called Dangerous, where the danger room becomes the center of attention. Well, there you go. So go check that out. Of course, you can find Shortbox Summary pretty much anywhere. Uh I am on Twitter at Austin J. Eller. Elijah is on Twitter at Loco Lizard Man. You can also find him on Twitch at Loco Lizard Man. He streams there pretty frequently. Again, link down below in the description of this episode. And then Seth is on Twitter at Seth the 90s Kid. So we appreciate you listening and, and go follow all that stuff and listen to George. Go watch Elijah's streams and we will catch you next week. Thanks, everybody. Smooch.